2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com Welcome to
1: the family No purchase necessary, VGW Group, void where prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply Welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast, the podcast that is in 7th heaven after the weekend This week on Heart and Hand, Motherwell Massacred So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I am your host, and I'm joined this week by two of the most wonderful people you could possibly spend the next 45 minutes with. Firstly, it's Mr. Alexander Staff. Hi oh there, yeah, how you doing? I'm not too bad, my friend. And secondly, it's Mr. Cameron James Bell. Good evening, boys, good evening. Um, Referee in controversy, and we, we call him, it's like I said, we, we, we throw up a cami signal much, and it's like a bat, but a bit rounder.
0: <laughs> a fat bat, if you will. A
1: fat bat, yeah. The a fat bat special today. But uh, yes, lad, loads to discuss. Although Alex, and this is a rarity, but a nice story I think we will share with the listeners. You missed the game yesterday, but a very wholesome and acceptable reason. Yes, I did,
2: yes. I was at a wedding yesterday. Um so congratulations to the new Mr and Mrs. Burrow. Um some listeners will know Robert Burrow from his days of uh, breaking legs and arms while playing football with us. Uh, He's now like a bit of a superstar in his local area for running in rather crazy situations. He's one of those guys that runs through woods with a light on in the middle of the night for just the sake of running. What, a dog? <laughs> yeah, well, I imagine he actually scares them a bit as he's running through, you know, charging away, <laughs> trying to beat however many people doing that. I really don't know what the deal is, but no, I mean, Robert's done an amazing, done amazing stuff over the years, raised a ton of money for charities, um, his wedding yesterday, and given the way the results fell and such like, he can get married every weekend if he wants. Yes, so if Alex's
1: a little I'm, bit, I'm sure this is not the pleased to hear that. <laughs> I could get, keep some keeps them busy, I suppose. But uh, no, congratulations to to Robert and uh, a lot of the the boys who met up on FF. A lot of the kind of sad singletons who had no friends. You all got together um, back in the seminary, uh, uh, back in the the day. Alex and you you were all at the the game yesterday. But what a game it was, lads! Um, as Rangers took on Motherwell at Ibrox. Now Motherwell. They've got a bit lippy lately, have they not? And they seem rather full of themselves whenever they come to play us. So if there was a team we could administer a right beating to, they would have been pretty high up my list.
0: Absolutely. Um, they've been very keen on their physical game, which has got them some degree of success. We have been quite literally victims of, of that style of play. Um, so it was wonderful to dish out a bit of, kind of medicine through not a retort in a similar style, but just brilliant, sweeping, uh, productive
1: football. Alex, we made a few changes uh, to the lineup yesterday, obviously trying to keep things fresh from from Thursday when we played in Moscow. And we'll touch on this, because when there's International Week, we can't do a heart-and-hand extra. The defending on Thursday night, it wasn't really in keeping with what we've seen from us, because apart from maybe Motherwell, funnily enough, previously... Yes, there's been individual errors, but I don't recall this season our defence collectively all having an absolute stinker. Tav was was maybe 5 or 6 out of 10, but for the rest of them, they looked as though they'd never played football before in their lives, never mind met each other beforehand. Yeah, it was a bit of a
2: strange night, as you say, Um, and the Motherwell game is the only other one you could compare to it, and that was individual errors. A couple of things that, you know, we've since changed in terms of how we defend set pieces that we've got a good bit better at from that day, but uh, it was a crazy match. You're sitting there 45 minutes in, should have been 4-2, you know, it's 3-2, both sides have missed chances at that point as well, and you're thinking, this is this could finish 5 each, 6-5, you know, it could have went anywhere, really. Uh, and I think that second half, they're better experience told, sadly. Um and that you know it was very much a they got slightly less shit defensively than we were, and um and you know it was that sort of game. So, yeah, after that, Gerard must have been thinking, oh, I need to freshen some stuff up at least, or you know make a couple of changes. He talked before about not playing yourself out of the team. John Flanagan must have come pretty close to that in his last couple of performances.
1: I feel for John Flanagan in a way because he's not a left back. He's right footed, and it's not easy to do that. But at the moment, I'm just looking at him and I'm looking at Declan John and thinking, might have dropped a ball at here, Cammie. Uh
0: Yeah, it's difficult because I think, I I I do feel for him in the fact he's playing out a position, but Andy Halliday's played better than them there this season. But um, I just think we saw against um, Spartak, they purposely targeted Flanagan. Um, there's obviously the issue with him been able to play in certain pitches etc so yeah I think he's going to really struggle with him in terms of being able to cement that as a, as, a, as a place within the 1st 11 and, and how he can then retain within the squad because Tavernier's not going anywhere he won't ever get a game at right back so uh,
2: no nah, I think it's going to be a difficult push for him I think the most frustrating thing for me is that yeah, he made quite a few mistakes in. I mean, as you say Spartak seemed to be targeting him Popov on that side was doing quite well against him uh, the most frustrating thing for me was that, yeah, he's playing out of position. But generally, if you're a full-back playing out of position, your stronger foot's on the inside, it means you tuck in more. So, for that goal, the, the one that led to the own goal, he's positioning there. Playing out of position wasn't really the excuse. He just completely switched
1: off. Yeah, he just um, had a, a nightmare. I mean, collectively, they all did at, at the back. Yeah. Again, with the exception of maybe Tav. But um, even then, there were a couple of errors. And uh, you could you could point to... Goldson, we've since found out, has been playing with, uh, uh, with a chest complaint, not related to his previous heart condition, according to the manager, but still, it maybe explains. Um, and Nico Katic, and we'll use Nico Katic as a link to the Motherwell match, that's been uh, probably one of the few low points of the... The defensive purchases, I think, and that this boy is much better than we've seen in the last game and a half from him, Alex. And is it fitness? Is it confidence? Because this is not the Nico Katich who turned up.
2: It's not, no. Um, which leads to, leads to a few questions, doesn't it? And it's very difficult to to know where this is. The simple sort of explanation that, that maybe we're overlooking slightly is that. You know, he's just a young kid who is not having, you know, the best of form in his last few games, and he just needs to get kind a of reset, get his head back in the game a little bit, bit more serious than that. Some people are suggesting that he's lost a bit of confidence or motivation or whatever it may be because he was dropped. In which case, I would suggest that that's a problem because no Rangers player should feel entitled to start, nor should they really collapse to this extent if they do get dropped and then come back in you're not good enough for a big club if that's going to affect you that much I I don't know it looked as though obviously I wasn't at a game so I've only watched what was on the 90 Minutes on Rangers TV so I haven't seen everything as such but some were suggesting that yesterday he looked as though he maybe picked up a knock in the first half uh, and he was going to actually come off before half time Um, and that got changed when when we made a 3-1 but it looked as though he took a bit of an knock. But whether that's true or not, I don't know. Uh, maybe some fans who were there will, will have seen that. Suggestions that, you know, Tad was over talking to him. There was a message sent to the bench. But uh, his mistake for Motherwell's goal was concerning because that's basic defending. That's not... He wasn't ripped apart by something really good, you know, really good player, anything like that. No, it was Bowman, really, for fuck's sake. I mean, well, there's that for a start, yeah. But, it, you know, in terms of his positioning, his decision-making there, that's it's kind of basic stuff that even at the age of 21 I wouldn't expect him to be doing that when um, you're only 1-0 up in that sort of moment you know if you, see if you're winning a game 3 or 4-0 and he's kind of switched off from that you try and nick a ball but bit of stupidly and letting a goal I can kind of get that that happens to top players as well but at that time in the game he's got to be more switched on than that and I don't think his age or anything else is, is an excuse it was just a very bit a
1: very poor about defending. I think you would come. The, I, I the
2: think point I
0: would add into that, David Sorry, just as we're talking about, because the, the point like, because when you re, when, when when you watch that go back, Wardle is marking Main, or he should be, but because of the Cattich turn, what's then happened is he's had to commit to it, but Andy Halliday doesn't get himself goal side of being uh, uh, Main, which then leads to the goal. So C- Cattich is at fault, in my opinion, but there's still a knock-on effect of that back. Line hasn't communicated well enough and thought quickly enough to prevent that goal from happening because Worrell has to commit, he doesn't and uh, he doesn't do it anywhere enough time but then Halliday has to step forward and take that marker because Andy Halliday's got no one behind him so all he has to do is focus on Main and Main's there for a tap in from two yards out
1: I think that Nico Katic will come good again because he's just too good a player. And that's, that's the key. I'm a great believer that ability will shine through in the end. So it really is just a, a case of getting his, his head right. Um, we had Craig Moore at the Loudoun Tavern. And thank you again to Loudoun for looking after us superbly on Friday night. And he was talking about the infamous time when Dick Advocat substituted him after 23 minutes against Kilmarnock on the opening day of the 1999-2000 season. He said, I made a mistake. Um, and Advocat hauled me off. He hadn't been happy with my performance up to then and he said he called me in for a meeting on the Monday and he said, if that's what you're going to give me, that's, that's not good enough. Uh, I can't have that and you won't be in the team if that's the standard you're going to produce. Uh, and he said he was looking at me and I'm thinking, I wonder what he's, is he after a reaction here? And he said, so I'm I'm looking now, I'm going to buy another cent and a half. And Craig said, he, he looked at him and said, well, you can buy him, but I'm going to be playing. And he went, that's what I want to hear. Right, show me that then. Don't just make it words, show me that. And of course, Moore went on to have a tremendous season that season. and That's what we need, Alex, from I centre-half playing at, at Rangers. The idea that you will get knocks and you will be criticised for your mistakes. But come back stronger, come back and prove to us that you're as good a player as, as we all think you are. We like Nico Katic.
2: Yeah, we've got a real. The fans have got a real affinity with Catech, It's why this debate between him and Wardle just won't go away. Because the minute one of them has a poor game, the other one's position is heightened, doesn't it? You know, we should have been playing him instead. Uh, it's why this debate won't go away. We've got a bit of a you know a real affinity with Cattage. We like the guy. He clearly likes being here. I think. Uh, I think you're right. I think he will come good. He just needs to get that. Yeah, get those performances, and he needs. He has a lot of credit in the bank with us uh, and you know what he done when he first came into the team and how well he played to get so far in Europe and, and such like uh, but it doesn't last long at Rangers sadly especially, I don't know if you guys agree but I think as, as a fan base we are more critical of defenders than any other position on the pitch, we are the I don't c- know if that's the case for every mm-hmm. fan but I feel like our defenders take a lot more stick than, than any other position does. Uh, no, the one
1: that we focus on. I totally agree with that because we traditionally have been built on good defenses, good centre halves, uh, especially leaders back there. And we are not one of these clubs that likes to pretend that we've got to play like you know Real Madrid nineteen sixty every week. We don't have that shite. We accumulate trophies and. To do that, you need to be solid. And we we admire that physicality and solidity and determination. So, no, I I would agree with that. I think that that we are. But, lads, Spartak wasn't the most positive. Um, That goal, which we've discussed, wasn't the most positive. But we've got rid of all that at the start. So, now we can enjoy what was a tremendous attacking performance from Rangers with some beautiful goals yesterday. And... It was excellent in the second half in every way because it was entirely played in the Motherwell half. Rangers kept making chances, kept taking them. And on top of that, Cammie, it was what I want from Rangers in that the team, the other team were weakened. We get that. Ten men, we'll talk about that in a second. But that counts for nothing if you don't make it count for something. And we did.
0: Yeah, I think we, we, we've spoken before about the the reaction from players when um, when we suffer a poor result, whether it's a, a game we should have won and we drew, or a game that we should have won and we lost. And I think um, the 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 momentum um, which which finished the first half was absolutely perfect. Um, the you know the the double win, if you will, of uh, the the red card and the penalty just gave us a brilliant springboard. Um, but what it allowed us to do was be a bit more expressive. And I think that you saw, and, and Gerard kind of commented on this, a Rangers team which can play like that and was allowed to do so because of the confidence that we had. Um, I know we mentioned on the Patreon site when uh, we did the post-match about the second goal and how it's so crucial for us. And, and I, I, you know, all, all... I mean, that is probably the, the shining example any of us can give in terms of how important it is to this team to be able to try and create a lead and then once you've got that lead, you know, you can you can hit the afterburners and away you go um, and you've got players that are capable to do that. I, I appreciate the fact that obviously we did have the man advantage. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that even if Bollowall did have 11 men, they would have been able to keep that under five for example, such was our finishing and there's a big part to that which I would never want to take away from Rangers, is that aggression, that right, no, let's keep going for it, let's keep going for it, and it's good that we've dished out a battering, because I've been waiting for that for a long time.
1: Alex, I did notice that after the match, Stephen Gerrard used in his post-match interview the word relentless three times, and said at half-time we had drilled into them that they had to go out there and be relentless, and what made me laugh, but also I think is an interesting point, is... Gareth Macaulay, Scott Arfield, Eros Grejda, all interviewed, all used the word relentless. So I think it's not just been been mentioned. I think that they have absolutely driven into them, go out and get goals this half. And that's what you need to do. You need to send statement wins. We need to put these teams in their place when the opportunity is there. Because, as I say, Motherwell turned up at Ibrox with a swagger. Well, they won't next time.
2: They definitely won't next time. Uh, they turned up with that swagger. They turned up to wind us up. You can when you watch it again. Tom Aldred and, and Paul Hartley, Paul Hartley sorry, Peter Hartley at the back. Um, they're patting Morelos in the head after he's not won a foul and all that sort of nonsense. They were there to try and have a bit of a laugh and thought they were capable of doing both that and giving us a game. Um, and as you say, we have very much slapped that right out of them now. If ever a team, do you know that way? You quite often see teams are encapsulating their manager. If ever a team's ever done that in Scotland, it's as Motherwell side, whether that was Steven Robinson. By the way, Mm. he's by far the worst I've ever seen of that. And we've seen some shining examples of it over the years. Martin O'Neill's Celtic side, for example, but that's Motherwell team, horrendous to watch and play against. And. Yeah, it, it's actually glorious. Glorious feeling for to, them to, to be the team that was scalped 7 past because they are the ones that deserve it the most. The, the team's clearly hearing the word relentless, as you say, every single day and they've just proven to themselves they can do it. Uh, yeah, against 10 men, that's fine. Doesn't matter. How often do we hear it's hard to play against 10 men? Well, yeah. Because, you I- know, they sit in and make things difficult and Motherwell are good at that anyway. Mm. So. So we've not, you know, we've not allowed them to do that, and so many goals were absolutely brilliant. I thought, especially second half, and it was seven going on eleven. Oh yeah, there were, there were some great chances that we missed, um, and a couple of decent saves from our keeper as well. So it wasn't as if you can come away from that and say, "Oh, we, you know, we got lucky there because we converted a lot of our chances." Yes, we did, but. We were, as Cami
1: said, set for a five or six goal show anyway, with the sort of way that we played. Yeah, we were going to battle them yesterday. Uh, I've got no doubt about that. And you're absolutely right when you speak about Motherwell, they're a very unpleasant side. And I would contrast them with Livingston. When we played Livingston and lost, I had very little but praise for Livingston. Because Livingston are physical and they play agricultural football, but they're fair. They just do what they have to do with the resources that they have. They work on set pieces. It's not a crime. It's a very good thing to do. It's a big part of the game. They defend really hard. Not No problem with that. That's what you do. Motherwell are different. Motherwell want to hurt you. Motherwell are sly. And they to to hear them complain, Cammy, about Morelos uh, making the most of a tackle. Well, firstly, that's something that's been ignored by the, the Scottish media. Um McHugh wasn't booked specifically, or just rather, for that tackle. It was his fourth foul. And Craig Thompson quite clearly pointed out to him, no, you fouled there, there, there and there. And he gave him a yellow. He then let him off with another one, incidentally, just a a couple of minutes later, where he clearly says to him, you don't have another one in you. Next foul, you're off. And I can't understand, well, I can because they're, whine and shite bags that can give it out but can he take it, when your tactic is not to be physical and aggressive, but to be violent and dirty and commit fouls and cheat and injure players, to say he made the most of that, maybe he did, but given that you like to stamp on players' knees when they're down, you like to smash people in the face with an elbow and then laugh about it later when he's got a broken nose, fuck you. And you know, Alfie Morelos made the most of it and your boy got a book in diddums. Did the referee not let not let you kick us off the park? Isn't that a shame? Go and fucking dry your eyes, cunt.
0: Yeah, I I'm I'm absolutely certain that let's say, for example, he goes through the back of Morelos and then Morelos has to go off injured, which has happened to our players this season, that I am certain he'd have been the first one over to apologize for that. Um very much in the same way about how they were Pissing themselves, laughing in press conferences about broken noses and all the rest. That mother will fundamentally mother will are thugs, and it, it's it's. Listen, I, I'm I don't want it to be the case that we can't say that we can't play aggressive football. We touched beforehand on Rangers teams, legends, and great players who played for us, and the amount of times that people we've heard say, you know, teams that come to blocks. What a fight! We'll give them a fight, and then we'll win the game. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. What I don't like is this two faced attitude towards oh well, you know, he's he's clearly manipulating the rules. Well, yeah, so are you when you're trying to, as you say, set out to deliberately injure people. And do you know what, I, I I mean we'll never know, but I'd love it to be the case that um Gerard said to me half time, Remember, these are the guys who broke your teammates' nose, have got no concerns about injuring you, so you miss significant parts of the season, go out there and retaliate. And rip them apart and, um, and and you know I would I would love to think you use that as a motivational tool Because that then means it's come full circle For, for Motherwell because it's bit them right in the arse that, um,
1: That's the thing Alex are, the, the, Sorry Cammy, But that that's the thing It's a team who Like I say they, they don't play up to the line Livingston for example play up to the line Don't have a problem with that Genuinely don't um, wish them not. Obviously I'm in a good mood about Livingston right now But There is a difference between that and willingly and knowingly, not just crossing that line, but running fucking miles away from it and reveling in it, and then to complain when rules are actually applied and you're not allowed to resort to basic thuggery, which is what they were complaining about. Because, look, and I never say this, um, Craig Thompson had a really good game yesterday. Not just he got the big decisions right, but he also... I thought, stamped out Motherwell's cynical tackling early on. He just said to them, no, I'm not standing for this. You're not getting away with all this, you know, the wee done when the ball's in the air. You're not getting away with the leaving the foot in. And it, they went in a huff because they have nothing else.
0: But, but we've lost, but the thing is, though, David, through injury, we have lost players like Ryan Jack and, and Lasana Valley because we didn't have referees who administered those levels of punishment. Correct. You know, the, the, the application of the rules in the appropriate times in the game. And listen, you're, you're spot on. And I think, I don't know if Thompson said, because we're the best one in the world without getting into, you know, referee's corner. It's not Craig Thompson's job to keep players in the park. And effective game management does tell you, OK, so do that again and you're off. OK, totally get that. We've seen and heard that many a time. But the good thing about it is, though, that he stuck to the rules with that, whereas plenty of referees, and we have fallen victim to this beforehand, where they said, in the Morelos incident, right, it's not a booking, but, you know, put, you know screw the net, a wee bit. No, he, he booked him. And as you say, rightly, it was for persistent fouling. It was not for the Morelos incident. It was, right, OK, that's it, that's enough. You've had your chance, catch you later on. Booked him, and then, as I say, carried on with the rest of the game. Um and I think for me when you see like McGinn at St for example coming back to the Cooler Valley one that should have been dealt with far earlier um, I'm sure McGinn Memory Serves gave I think it was Katic a big in the ribs which I believe was his, his, his it should have been the 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 caution that was given and then another the card after that so he wouldn't have been on the park to injure Cooler Valley and again we've we get listen we are you know absolutely within our rights to turn around and go we deserve some of these decisions. But do you know what, David? These decisions are not wrong. It's no. not like we got, you know... Yeah, they applied the, the rules. Yeah. But actually, we're sitting here saying, this is fantastic, this is This is just business as usual for other teams who don't get controversial decisions given against them. So now we're getting the, the fair end of the stick, as it were. And, uh, and we're, we're sitting here absolutely delighted about it, whilst other parts of the media are saying, Morello has dived. Um horrendous horrendous comments from journalists saying that the referees should know better when it comes to Alfredo Morelos, yep. which I uh, you know I'm yeah. sure we'll come back to. Um penalty incidents ripped apart for whatever reason. I, I just it, it's it's great to see it. But again, I totally agree with your statement. Craig Thompson had a very good game yesterday and I hope in some parts of the media at least he
2: gets praise for some of that.
1: Alex, I've never Known a Rangers penalty to be given that wasn't controversial, um. So this one was was not any different, um. According to to the media, I, look, it's maybe just me, and I I've not gone through referee training like Cami has, and I don't claim to be a football expert. I haven't worked in the industry, anything like that. But that was the stoniest, stonewall penalty kick you will ever see in your life. Surely. <laughs> you would have thought so. Yeah,
2: it's not even one of those ones where. It's a challenge between two players Well, the angle that the referee's got is not that great, so you can see why maybe he's made a bit of a mistake or, or, or even, as Cammy pointed out, that nonsense of, or referees should know better when it's a certain player because they're likely to take a dive. Nothing at all with that. This was as clear as day. Uh, he, he's got no... He can have no complaints about the penalty at all. I'm not entirely convinced, by the way, um, that he was booked for the handball, but um, given what Cammy said and you've said about you know how Thompson said to him no more fouls that's you it's very possible that he was it just took a bit of time afterwards it's as if he said something I thought but maybe I'm wrong um, uh, yeah it's clear clear as day and all this talk about we'll, we'll, we'll mention them because I, I feel as he's got to come back up later on as well but uh, Michael Stewart's comments and trying to you know, use this letter of the law thing to say that that wasn't a deliberate handball how many, uh, who Who then has forced that guy's arms to be in that position? Yeah. Who's done that?
1: Because I don't see anybody doing it. That, so... Alex, that's the fundamental. That's why he's a moron. And I mean, Michael Stewart as a moron. Shocker is not exactly hold the press's story, is it? But... No. Um, Uh, He's saying, well, you know, it doesn't say anything about where your arms are. It doesn't say, well, firstly, there's this thing called interpretation, you fud. Secondly, there's guidelines that are issued to referees, which everyone knows about. And as a person working in the media, you absolutely should. But thirdly, what he's saying is deliberate handball. Basically, what he means is you need to consciously say, I am going to handball the ball. You know, and and Anton Rogan it and punch it or whatever, or, or stick your hand up and save it like a goalkeeper. It doesn't mean that. It means if you deliberately throw your arms up into a place where it can get hit by a ball, that's a deliberate handball. And the idea behind it, rather obviously, is to stop defenders jumping with their arms out hoping that if it doesn't hit their torso, it'll hit their arm and they'll get away with it. They are seeking to gain an advantage. Therefore, it's a deliberate handball. Cammy, you're the ref. Who's right, me or Michael Stewart?
0: Um, every part of me wants to say Michael Stewart. I know, bud, but no, I know. Um, no, listen, you're 100% correct. And do you know, the real idea of this is, I think, that I don't think Michael Stewart becomes so vociferous in this argument as that challenge was made on the goal line. And what I mean by that is, let's let's move play forward 15 yards, for example, because obviously that where, where that shot was stopped was outside the box. Um, it was just inside it when obviously that that challenge came in, but you're also hitting it through a body of players. So let's let's take it in. So actually, the shots hit from inside the box. The keeper's over towards the left-hand side of the goal, um, and then, as I said, that 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 attempt at a block is made on the goal line. That that's as definitive you can get as a deliberate handball. Um, the the other problem the problem I've got with Stuart and this one is he he has seen incidences at less. I I called it you know when we were talking before the the, the Russell Martin trademark move where it happened to us last season several times Stuart's aware of that <laughs> yeah but but Michael Stewart's aware of that and what I would say to you is let's just review those those incidents in comparison and. I would have assumed, and I'm obviously I'm not going to torture myself by going back and rewatching that, and then having to pull out my ears with his commentary and his punditry after the Russell Martin incident. But I'm fairly certain I don't remember him being so argumentative about the penalties given against Rangers when Martin's handballs were towards you know the byline, etc. And I think that this is where, when he's talking about being able to try and apply that as the second... Book, I, I do think he does get the booking for the, the, the handball. I don't think it's for fair or anything like afterwards. Um, so, no, I think, like you say, it's it's, it's clear cut. And it's just... It's like you say, Davey. It's a, it's a penalty against Rangers, therefore it must be picked apart, it must be dissected, etc. The, the only other thing I would say, just kind of finalising that point when we talk about the booking, was um, I'm pleased... This is just a personal thing. I'm happy to get your take on it, boys. Uh, I'm pleased that Morelos did say to Thompson, I don't think he was necessarily going to do a Graham poll and book him and then keep him in the park. Um, But the applauding of the referee afterwards. As a referee, if he did that to me, I'd probably end up booking Morelos because it fucking boils my piss when you see players doing that. All I'm saying is... He's
1: for just Mirelo's congratulating him, it's not sarcastic, he's just saying he's <laughs> got that right. So here, Alfie is trying to <laughs> ah, make yeah, friends, yeah. and here yeah, you're yeah, having yeah. a go at him.
0: Listen, see, see, yeah. listen all, all I'm saying is, um, any other player, and I, I hate this because the, the reputation is undeserved, but Morelos knows he's targeted, he needs to think smarter about what he's doing, and I actually believe when you watch that again, you see... Um I think I think who was it takes him away? Was it Jack? Anyway, so some, yeah, someone someone takes him away and you know is like, right, rather than not stop it. But it's just we things like that as well, because we're sitting here talking about decisions that were given correctly for us. I, I think we need to make sure that we box a bit clever in terms of how Mariellos does that. He deserves to do it. I'm not I'm not you know, I'm not saying that he doesn't, but he just needs to realise the next time if he gets tackled fairly, which has happened, and not given a penalty, which has happened you don't want it to be the case, it's because referees get a bit pissed off because it's him, do you know I Because mean? he has been targeted, you know that.
1: Well, this is, I think this ties into a bigger thing and then Robinson's comments afterwards, gratefully received by a Scottish media that for ever reason, and you can believe why it is, I think it's due to two things, uh, one is racism and the other is uh, he plays for Rangers. Um, And I think that the treatment that he's had as a young, black, foreign guy in Scotland is appalling. Right from the start, they've looked for something. Remember, it was his hot head at first that after about two minutes on the park, they'd decided he was this and that. Um, they're never going to like him They're never going to give him an even break They're never going to give him a fair hearing So there's a bit of me While I agree with you In terms of You've got to box clever There is a bit of me, Alex That absolutely revels in him Going, well, do you know what? Screw you I'm just going to score lots of goals And my fans love me um, you, you don't count And I quite like him going You hate me? You're going to really hate me By the end of this season um, Yeah, I do actually
2: um, uh, uh, Michael summed summed up best when he spoke about trying to understand Mirelos' culture, upbringing, uh, and, you know, that South American attitude, because I've kind of pointed this out before, how many South Americans have, a, have really settled in Scottish football in the past? It's mm. very, very rare. Um, so so we maybe don't see, or we haven't seen it in Scotland enough of it to get used to it. Um, and it's, you know, such a different thing. And, and you think about you know Mirelos' upbringing, etc. You can see why. I personally think the clapping wasn't so much at the referee, although I know it was, I get that, and he could have, Thompson could have booked him for that. Um, and I wouldn't have been too scathing if he did. You know, from Cammie's point, I would have understood if the referees got a bit wound up But that. I think that came from the fact that the likes of McHugh, Aldridge, Hartley, were all being absolute dicks to him, and he was revelling in the fact that one of them had just made an arse of himself. Yep. Um You know, that's where I think that came from And, you know, in that case I'm loving that I am loving that There's a part of me I know that I'm not supposed to like this Because if I see it in opposition players I tend to hate it But there's a part of me quite happy That we have a nasty, wee, cynical bastard up front Who is not only that But he's a damn good player as well I've seen too many opposition players that like that That have caused us harm over the years I'm loving seeing us having one for the first time in what must be a long time. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm I'm happy I'm happy for
0: that to happen. I, I just think, given where we're at at the moment, just now in terms of our lack of depth for options up front, we'd really need to think about where we get the best out of Delos at the very least, until we can bring in reinforcements for him. And uh, and that's where, like I say, I just want to make sure that. Thompson, for example, does, doesn't keep that in the back of his head, and then the next time the two of them cross paths or whatever, he then gives him another yellow, because as we know, his cautions are mounting. Um, he is very close to a suspension anyway, um, and that, I, I think, also leads to the fact that, you know, obviously, very early on in the second half, he came off for Laffery. Um, it's just these things like that, that, like you say, I just want him to kind of keep a wee lid on, because... We don't want him missing out on really, really important games for us, and we have several of them coming up between now and uh, the end of the year.
1: Glenn Middleton and Eros Gresda were great. Discuss.
2: Um, yes, they were. Uh, two, two separate things for me here. Glenn Middleton is starting to. In recent matches, I've been a little bit concerned that he was a bit one-dimensional. Um, you know, and, and, and that better players were starting to work him out. Because if you're always just going to pick a ball up and run in very straight lines at someone, um, eventually, you know, a good professional right-back is going to work that out. What I think we saw from Midland because we haven't seen him start too often, what I think we saw in both the Spartak match and on Sunday as a player who's learning. You could see that. There were times against Motherwell when he was cutting inside or, or receiving the ball in the centre, uh, you know, moving off for of that win. He's, he's changing his game. In terms of Gresda, I'm very happy with this. I've had more than my fair share of arguments about giving the guy time. Um, happy with his goals. His overall performance, first half was a bit loose, second half a lot better. What I would say on the flip side is that it's absolutely fine to still say we need to wait and see where Eros Gresda because it was the second half against a 10-man Mullerwell where we were already 3-1 up. And I'm not trying to take anything away from how well he played. I thought he was excellent. Even you know, even first half he had a couple of good moments as well. He's crossed for Morelos yeah. for the header, for example. Uh but second half he looked brilliant. But what we need from a player, um, and I think Grezda's type I think, you know, the type of player he is, and uh, he's not he's not like a Kent in a middleton. He won't beat players running at them all the time but he likes to get in the box, he likes to get shots off early, he is going to score goals. We need a player like that, whether or not he's good enough, is still to be proven and we need to see it in a kind of tighter match. You know, something that's not as open as as that became, which tends to suit attacking players. So I think it's fine if you're still in the undecided camp. What I was really pleased about was the fact that we got to see what he is capable of, or a little bit of what he's capable of, and he gets some confidence from that, because... Ultimately we all want him to succeed whether you think he's going to be a player or not We all want him to be don't we So, uh, so yeah it was nice He was uh, second half he looked really really good That ball across Middleton's goal in fact everything about Oh that finish
1: as well like, Oh I mean just tremendous um, Middleton's got five already So clearly this is a boy who can finish So I mean, great to see But Cami while I agree with what Alex said there I still think occasionally you just need a, a breakthrough performance and it doesn't really matter how or, or where it comes just as long as it does come reasonably early in your career at Ibrox just to get the fans saying, OK, yep, there's a player in there. um, And he hadn't had that yet, obviously. Injury had, had stopped him doing it. Whereas now he, he's got that thing where he's put into people's mind, look, I can actually do this, I'm quite good, give me some time. Because there were a few voices starting to say, haven't seen anything from him. I agree unfairly, but still, um, it it doesn't change the reality of the situation. Whereas now they'll go, well, okay, right, good. I can see what you're supposed to do. And it gives them a platform to build from. I mean, it
0: does. And I think, um, I mean, Alex is is 100% spot. And I think um, what you need to look at uh, for me is, from Gresler's perspective, it's a great chance for him to now put some of that lost time through injury behind him. uh, Capitalised on the opportunities he'd been given, the performance he put in because he was very, very good. It's easy. I know it sounds a bit silly, but it's also easy to hide in a seven-one game. You can be, you know, about par, um, and other guys can take the limelight. And uh, and and that absolutely grasped a hold of that opportunity. Middleton, the manager spoke after the game about his attitude, the fact that he stays after training, sometimes Gerrard has to haul him in because uh, he wants to stay out, he wants to continue to do things. We know his journey, obviously, in terms of he is um, very focused in his own development, will do things um, which require further training and further development, and he's very, very conscious of that, probably very mature for someone at his age, which is great. Um, I think the goal for me, Middleton's goal, I beg your pardon, for me was absolutely fantastic. The finish itself was sublime. Uh, which is which is what we kind of said before about, you know, I think even with living men, Motherwell would have been able to stop us with that kind of level of finishing anyway. Um, I don't think that goal comes when you're 1-0 at home uh, down against Aberdeen. I think that the confidence was there, but if the confidence was there, so is the ability. And that for me is what I would say to both of them is, you know, you were given that opportunity. You've shown us that you have that ability. Uh, now it's about how do we best harness that and and use it to the the betterment the team. Um, I, I think for me, it, it was literally a coin toss between the two of them as to who was man of the match. I know that's tough in our field. Um, who was very good? I just think for it was. And I, again, like you say, this is what I'm saying to you, you can't hide. And you know, maulings, you can do this. But we had several players who, for me you know, were excellent. Jack, um, there's another one. Mac- yeah, Macaulay looked great I when he came on. Yeah. I just think for those two um in terms of Middleton and Gresda, I think for me it's a coin toss between who was man of the match. I know obviously Gresda got it. But I'm just very pleased for Middleton. I-, I think the last thing I would say to him as well, um, is his set piece delivery was oh, superb. It was. And um and-, and that is something again, which gives us another option because I know that um Tav has been struggling with that recently in terms of his corners and free kicks and stuff.
1: Um it was uh yeah, just just a, a great day, a lot of fun. At Ibrox, the crowd were happy and a team that we hugely dislike were put to the sword um, <laughs> dramatically. So great, great stuff and uh, more of that. And obviously with the two points that Celtic had dropped that had uh, gave us a, a good opportunity and leaves us in a pretty good situation um, to be coming back and really getting stuck in after the international break. Now, last week, um, the latest came out about the Celtic um, paedophile court case um, where Jim Torbett was, was jailed for six years for sexually abusing young boys in his care and that has caused a bit of uh, a storm in Scottish football for some people because obviously a lot of people would rather just ignore it and hope it goes away including Celtic themselves and uh, some of the tweets from victims and comments from victims are absolutely heartbreaking but... In a Rangers context, one of the things that has been spoken about a lot is, oh, you're just point scoring, and to talk about it is somehow wrong, and we're not allowed to talk about it because we have a vested interest. We don't like Celtic, therefore we're going to we're gonna complain about them. Well, firstly, I don't like sex offenders from any walk of life, so I don't think I'm being hypocritical here. But secondly, even if it is just point scoring, even if it was, which it isn't, Celtic have got no right to complain about any other club, especially ours, having a go at them, because for at least six years, but longer, but certainly for the last six years, they have set themselves up as the moral arbiters of Scottish football. Or oh, what about the face painter? Or oh, what about the hospitals? How can you live with yourself? You're not contrite enough. You're not sorry enough. And all the while, we knew what their rancid club had covered up for 30 years. So now that it's coming out, for them to turn round and spout the excuses that they are, oh, sorry, it's separate to us. Well, hang on a minute. You tell us we're dead. You tell us that a football club is all-encompassing, that you can't have separate areas of it. You can't have a club and a company. Oh, no, it's different. It's different. And take a step back. If you're a Celtic fan who's willing to defend them to the hilt on this, i get club loyalty i really do right and while i you just need to listen to the old shows was really uncomfortable with what rangers did then we were punished for it and we moved on but you cannot look to explain away excuse or try and wiggle out on a technicality child abuse now it can happen that it's horrible, but it can happen that a paedophile, these people are evil, and they will worm their way into positions. That can happen. That's not Celtic's fault. Nobody is having a go at you because Jim Torbett existed. The reason people are having a go at you is because you rehired them, you didn't phone the police, and then you covered up for 30 years and you still haven't apologised or compensated the victims. One of the victims was on Twitter last week, and in his words, Celtic have told him to fuck off. That is why people are having a go at you. And due to the fact that you set yourselves up as the moral arbiters of everything that was good and true and just in Scottish football, and you were so pious, and you were so holier than now, people are going to have a go at you because of that. Do the right thing, force your club to do the right thing, and stop trying to blame us for being angry that you covered up sex abuse. Alex?
2: Their point scoring argument is it's a fundamental fallacy. It's the whole ad hominem thing, isn't it? They attack the person saying it, rather than the argument itself. So, if, if a Rangers fan does make that point, and your attitude is, or your response is, oh, they're just point scoring, you're not engaging with the argument. You're not in any way defending the position that you, you're taking, or in any way, um, you know, showing that the, the the point being made by that person is wrong. It's that's, it's a very poor, very poor way of, of arguing. And it's a very social media way of arguing, isn't it? Uh, to turn someone else into the bad one through character, supposed yeah. character flaws, rather than actual debate. Um, so so in that case, you know, the point scoring point is one that I have very much ignored. Uh, because it's to me rather irrelevant um, yes you're right they cannot, be, cannot have spent as much time as they have uh, making so much noise about the morality or supposed lack of in Scottish football and then go hiding on this one I have no issues with any Celtic fan who is still going to be a Celtic fan after all of this that's not what we're talking about here but anyone uh, you've got to take i actually think you've got to take football out of this in many respects because it's it's not yeah it's happened in football but it's not about football it's bigger than that it's much bigger than that in fact and those individuals that were involved in this everybody should want them chased everybody should want to know exactly what happens here and get justice in any way that can i don't believe there's any such thing as full justice here but there's certainly Far more that can be done than has been, and even as this is coming light, there's a million times more that could have been done. So I say, as I say, forget you know loyalties and the tribalism of football and all that sort of stuff. That none of that should come into this at all. All that's being asked here is a very, very uh, uh, you know appropriately asked is what the hell was going on it's such a big institution in, in Scotland? As much as we hate to say it, they are have allowed this to happen covered it up and seemingly seemingly if, if the evidence that's been out there so far as it is as, as any any indication encouraged it they haven't just allowed it and then went oh we made a mistake there they then brought that back and they tried to rehire another in the middle of the 90s who had already been convicted of this this is not something where you know we're looking at a, a situation where they made some mistakes in their hiring policy because they wanted them back in to the club again so uh, you know all the individuals involved in all of that should surely be getting some serious investigation and everyone anyone of a right mind should be asking for that so to then turn around when when you do regardless who you are to then turn around when you do ask for that and say or oh, you're just point this actually links to something I wanted to say earlier as well. If there's any Motherwell fans listening, you'll think that their appraisal of your team was a bit sour grapes. I know fans of all Scottish football teams, everybody hates you, right? <laughs> that's, that's the case with Motherwell. Everybody thinks exactly the same as we said earlier about your team. In this case with Celtic, everyone, including yourselves, should be asking what the fuck happened here and what needs to be done to bring justice to the victims of it because that's ultimately all the matters. Cameron? There's a there's an old saying in Scotland that
0: the one thing that Rangers fans and Celtic fans have got in common is that they both love talking about Rangers. Um, this has nothing to do with us, and I, I, I don't I don't know as to why. I mean I fail to see the link between the pettiness of responding to Celtic fans who have done the and still play it to this day. The zombie nation is a direct link to us whenever they score... It's, it's, their obsession with us feels like as if it's the anchor that wants to pull us into this entire tragedy. And and I don't use that word often, but it is a tragedy in terms of what happens. And the best thing that every Rangers fan can possibly do at the moment is just say, this is, this is an absolute horror, which your club have been complicit in for 40 years. Um there are a lot of victims who have had their lives ruined as a result of what's happened. Um, everybody in Glasgow knows that it's been an open secret for four decades. Celtic managers have known about it, spoken about it, written about it. Um, but only, you know, none of them have taken action on it. Um, apart from one who was then punished as a result of it. Um, The main thing with this, more than anything else, is I don't... Listen, I totally agree with Alex, right? So the the football inside of this has nothing to do with it, all right? Um, I don't think I know any Celtic fan. Um, And, you know, I I, I, I don't, and I I know a number who's going to turn around and say, if Celtic came out tomorrow and said, we did wrong, we did nothing about this, we can't say what happened previously because that was you know, as uh, you know the past and, you know, where we are at the moment. Um but we will take accountability for this. We will support these people. We will deal with this. And whether that's financially, emotionally, you know, any kind of form of support structure that's I don't think any of those Celtic fans would consider leaving Celtic. I don't think they would actually turn in and say, I'm not interested in supporting a club any longer that openly has supported Pedophilia. But the thing is, so this is what disgusts me about Celtic's approach to this, is this layered, head-in-the-sand approach where we've denied, it, we've denied it, we've denied it, we've denied it, let's just continue denying it. And now all of this is obviously now, you know, unveiled. I mean, it's unveiled evidence, but I think the vast majority of us knew about it anyway. Um, it's just been brought to, brought to the fore. Celtic can't remove themselves from the boys club they can't pretend that they were a separate entity they are continual links between the football club and the boys club between celtic and torbett even moving away from the actual involvement of torbett within the mainstream club itself to part within the the club itself money to the trophy center over a number of years being involved back to the club for presentations all of this stuff comes out to light, and do you know what? And 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 I will be controversial for a moment. If Celtic came out tomorrow and just opened their hands up and just said, "We have made egregious errors here. We have made absolute fundamental failings on a human level about we how we have dealt with this and how we are going to deal with it is going to shape how we can possibly make reparations for how we have let down the victims and their families, I would massively respect that. Because it shows a degree of accountability which they are desperate to avoid owning up to because they want to continue the party line of, it wasn't us, that was something different to us. We don't know what's going on. And this whole was it me, gov, is not going to wash any longer. And I think everyone also knows that they are going to have a pr media blitz in order to ensure that their name keeps out of it and anyone who was following that torment trial never saw the name celtic attached to it in any connotation until after the conviction Yeah, everyone knew about it so celtic should just come out now and say you know we, we have to be able to deal with this we have to be able to support the victims i'm not necessarily talking about payouts and all that kind of stuff as well I'm talking about yes, there obviously will be part of that. People then start raising civil cases and whatever else have you. It's just the turning and go. Listen, we have made massive errors here. We we take ex- responsibility for it. We accept it. This is how we move on. And Celtic are actually doing everything they can to avoid doing that. And that, for me, is just it's subhuman in terms of their approach to this. There is no decency in how they are approaching this whatsoever. Um, I I just I, I'm just. It's like as if you can't be disappointed anymore because now you just come to expect it. There should be no points going from this. Rangers fans should not talk about this. This does not impact us. I get that there's a little bit of a kind of joie de vivre about going back to Celtic fans who have rubbed their noses in it. But you know what? We've done this podcast for long enough through those banter years who have then said, yes, this has been absolute shit. We've missed due diligence. We're doing it now. We've learned our lesson. We were punished. We dealt with that punishment. Um, we accepted all of that, and we came back, and we are still continuing to come back. And those glories will taste probably sweeter than very, very many have in the past. However, Celtic need to turn around now and seriously think about how they they look at this now. And um, and I just I, I just I can't see it, David. I just no, I can't, won't, I can't they see won't. them. They're not going to change. Their position.
1: They're not going to change because they are so used to, and they they take such great comfort in their piety, and they take such great comfort in, as I say, this this otherness, this uh, moral superiority that they can't envision. They, and also because of a very good PR campaign over the last 20 years, they are untouchable, they feel they're untouchable, but they may be untouchable within sport. Alex mentioned this transcends sport, this goes beyond it. There's, there's evil, and if you are part of denying the victim's justice... You are complicit. It's as simple as that. Okay then, uh, tough to transition, but uh, we have to. So we'll just go straight uh, into it, uh, with apologies for uh, having to. But uh, we like to end on a more upbeat note. And that's when we like to look around the world of sport uh, and see who has said something or done something so utterly stupid that it could have came from the mind of John Hartson. Uh, I had the misfortune to hear John Hartson um, Punditry last week Before the Rangers Spartak Moscow game um, You'll like this lads He was asked What do you think The aims of the two Scottish clubs are tonight He said "Well, they will both be looking To either win or get a draw And that's <laughs> Sensational analysis um, From him he, he got paid for that But uh, He can't win it Because it would Break the internet So Alex Who has said Or done something So stupid That he's made a total Hearts and over
2: Um. Well over the past few uh, times I've done this, we've went a bit further afield, and I think it's uh, you know been a bit less hearts and just a bit more crazy. So that's when I, I decided to go right to this, you know, the kind of heart of it, which is essentially who has said something so stupid because that's what we're looking at here, aren't we? Mm. Um, and I'm going to pick one that I was surprised by because I, I tend to like the guy and I tend to defend him a bit more than I should. But he's got to win this at some point, and that's Mr. Jose Mourinho. After what I believe, because I didn't see the game, and I know you guys have, um, I believe that Man City oh. won 3-1 going on 10-1. Right? And the goal, um, the
1: good Kami. get I I didn't see it till late, <laughs> obviously being at Ibrox, and then I was watching Match of the Day too. And I text Cammy to say, have you seen the Gundogan goal? He went, not yet. When you're watching it, it's probably about an hour. I'm like, get back to me. He came back and he went, well, that's just fucking ridiculous, isn't it? It was... <laughs> it's just it's just poetry
0: watching it. Honest it, it to just God. It's, it's
1: like 360 passes and <laughs> then they just decide they'll go and score. It was ludicrous. I mean, I actually, when he when he scored it, I actually said out loud, "Fuck off," because it was just <laughs> so magnificent. And it was one of those goals people had told me about it. Then I saw it, and you, they usually you go, oh, "That's a good goal." I don't know why Everybody's getting up. Yeah, no, this is this was supreme. We talk about PlayStation football. This was like supercomputer NASA PlayStation football. Well, that might
2: even add to the um, to the ludicrousness of this even more. Um, Jose Mourinho after the game Has said that if he could have started Marouane Fellaini from the bench He would have won the game Now Marouane Fellaini Started the game and allegedly didn't have 90 minutes in him But he believes, Jose Mourinho fully believes That had had Marouane Fellaini Marouane fucking Fellaini Come off the bench (laughs) 2-1 down Man City would have been worried And they would have went on then to win that game Now you guys have just described to me the way that you know Man City were able to carve through them for that third goal Uh, by all accounts from what I know from Man United now I'm of the opinion guys I don't know if you agree see if you're playing against a team and they've made 45-50 passes and then they go against the group and score as much as that is great from from their perspective that is horrendous that's not competitive that should not be happening after 20 odd passes you should be booting someone
1: yeah (laughs) you should foul on somebody he put put that down to fatigue you said that's because yes. his players were tired after running. Yeah. Uh, in so you training.
2: know, if Man City were able to run around them that much. I'm not entirely convinced. The sight of Fellaini's big dome coming on the pitch would have been the thing that would have tipped them over the edge at two one and made them suddenly unable to play. Um, so yeah, as I say, I defend Mourinho a lot. I think he's great entertainment a lot. But in this case, that is very much a comment from the mind of uh, John Hartson. No, I can't he, um, disagree. If you if you watch, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? I mean, I'm not I'm not
0: decrying it because listen, it was it was absolute football sex. Um, but Man United players, when you watch that, you, I think it's something like 46, or 47 passes or something. But Man United are purposely trying to stay within a formation and not close them down, which is obviously something that Mourinho told them to do. Which is anti fellini He wants to get right in players' faces. He wants to you know harry them for the ball. You know all that kind of stuff. Uh, and obviously, it's containing and, them. Um, and the worst thing about it was, and, and again, when David and I were talking about this last night, there was a point, literally the last kick of the game, pretty much, where Raheem Sterling is doing step-overs. Mm, Ale- Alex is a, is a good defender, and he will know when a player starts doing that to you, you slice him in half when he yeah. starts doing that to you. Especially when you're 3-1 down with f- four seconds to play.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm one of those negative ones actually who, you know, if my teammates start doing that if you're, if you're winning a game heavily and your teammates start doing that, I'll get pissed off because invariably, you know, someone's going to go and kick you and it, it, it never usually is the person who's been taking the piss who gets booted either, usually one <laughs> of his teammates ends up getting injured because that guy was being a dick, uh, you know and, and that happens at all levels I know it sounds cynical but, uh, you know, I get frustrated when I see that and I see teams just carving through and at that level of, do you guys remember uh, it was a Monday Night Football years ago and I think it was Gary Neville was absolutely ripping it was back when Rodgers was manager of Liverpool and they played Arsenal and the two teams had just sat there and kind of played in front of each other and there was nothing to it and he was on Monday Night Football, absolutely going, he was going mental about how, you know, yeah, this might look pretty to some people, but this isn't football because there was no tackles getting in, no one cared, no one, you know, there wasn't challenges getting in the air for headers and people battering into each other. That's football, as much as sometimes we talk about Motherwell taking over the line and all that, it still needs to be a bit of that in any game, oh, yeah. um, and, you know... Yeah, I get his point about you know Fellaini coming off the bench, but ultimately Jose, come on, you're you're taking the piss there. If you'd maybe been able to say, if I had, I don't know, if I had Cristiano Ronaldo to come off the bench, I think I'd change the game. Then yeah, but Marouane Fellaini, come on, come on.
1: That's like us saying if we brought Big city coin <laughs> against Spartak Moscow, we'd have won the game, let's be honest. Well, given the way things were going in that crazy game, he, he probably would have ended up with a hat trick. <laughs> but uh, at yeah. no, a, a fair point, and yeah, I must admit, when I heard uh, we couldn't get the ball off them because we were fatigued, I thought, oh, right, yeah. Cameron?
0: Well, it, it's been difficult not to say Michael Stewart, um, but it would be lazy to do so, because I think Stewart should win this regardless, so I have to nominate him. Um, I, I think he's going to probably my nomination, maybe yours, David, uh, maybe Yozy. Um I will give a little bit of credit to Michael Stewart because it, it must be difficult to see but past his Venus flytrap eyelashes, <laughs> which are just the worst thing in the world. Do you know what I mean, I hate them. Anyway, I'm not picking Michael Stewart. It's too easy to target. I um so I'm going to agree with Alex. Uh, we have went quite far afield with some of these beforehand. And he brought it quite close to home. I'm going to bring it even closer. And I'm going to say that my Harpsons of the Week, plural, is um, the Harp & Hand podcast. Now, here's the controversial uh, discussion that we're going to have. And actually, we're all part of this, chaps. Because um, if you remember, after the St Mirren game... yes. We were all talking about Daniel Condéus being sent off. It was a travesty of justice. It was, uh, you know, an absolute disgrace, etc, etc. However, we completely forgot that um, with the refereeing conspiracy to give Rangers every possible advantage, the reason as to why Brother Crawlham sent off Condéus was to allow Graves to start. <laughs> and then he of then won Man in the Ranch.
1: That's a fair point. Fair, so fair point. Well done, Brother I Wally.
0: I'm going to... Not- I'm going to nominate us as Harpsons of the last week because we contested that decision without realising that Colin was actually trying to give us a sporting advantage for the next game, uh, despite the fact that, you know, the 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 win against St. was already in the bag. Uh, we haven't had the foresight like he has had to see that advantage. And as a result of that, I'm going to nominate us for Harpsons of the week because we should have been able to see that given how... Um, pro-friendly and uh, pro-rangers, our referees are, Yes. that in actual fact he was doing us a favour when it looked like an absolute calamity at the time.
1: Fair point. Fair point. Um, I can't give it to us because <laughs> that, that that's, con- that's just so self-contained. And I can't give it to Michael Stewart because I think he would probably actually think it was a good thing. You'd just hear the word award and... And turn up. Turn up. Uh, and I can't like, ha- yeah, like, like, I, yeah, I can't like, have separate, him yeah. I can't have him here. Um God can you imagine Michael Stewart and co winning Vote SNP ripped to death within seconds. No, it just wouldn't he would act maybe we should bring it to winning because the amount of Union Jacks that are up round the place I think would, would break his wee heart. So um no Jose or Jose rather as I've been told I should pronounce it. Jose Mourinho um strolls away with it this week, uh, I understand yeah, Alex, you've, you've got yeah. to. I, I understand you've got to try and pick the the positives out of it, but I, you know, don't don't make yourself look stupid while you're doing it. I I was disappointed he didn't book Pep in the balls. You know his, his usual deflection te- techniques of yeah. start a <laughs> start yeah, a just, start a rammy, just get them, get them talking about something, anything else. So that one was that, that's so unjustly to make yourself look stupid rather than, as I say, you know, setting fire to a ball boy or uh, running onto the pitch and getting your balls out. Uh, I, I've been reading a wonderful book, which I recommend to people um, about Barcelona and Real Madrid by Jonathan Wilson. It's about Cruyff and uh, how he influenced Mourinho and Pep and whatnot. And there's a brilliant story about Luis van Gaal, who is genuinely mental, genuinely mental, uh, he apparently secured his sacking from Bayern Munich when at the launch of his book, he turned around and threw a copy of it to his bosses, heinz uh, uh, Rummenigge and Ui Honis and said, read that, you might learn something. No smile. <laughs> right, genuinely meant it. Um, he broke his leg uh, trying to demonstrate how to do the, uh, the high jump at a school reunion. He was 57 at the time. Uh, yes, bluttered But my, my favourite one was He was trying to demonstrate the His concept of cojones um, He wanted his players In the second half of a match To show more balls They hadn't shown enough balls And to demonstrate his point He took down his trousers and his underpants And waved his genitalia In the face of a startled Luca Tony So uh, <laughs> uh, A wonderful, wonderful man Okay folks,
2: Luca. thank you look at me too yes
1: exactly thank you very very much for joining us today Um, we've thoroughly enjoyed it we will be back next week Uh, no heart and hand extra this week because of international football we will uh, put out a show from our Patreon site Um, so you will have something to listen to and if you want to catch up on our Patreon site it's just $1.99 per month and you will get all sorts of wonderful content some amazing stuff going up there just now and it's not just me it's not just Alex not just Cammy there's loads of stuff you will thoroughly enjoy it Um, for instance just the other week we had a wonderful interview with Andy Gray talking about Rangers and you may have seen over the weekend Andy's quite happy to talk about rangers so uh loads of stuff on there just $1.99 per month you'll thoroughly enjoy it christmas is coming and the goose is getting fat but not as fat as your mother who remains a fat cow and uh if you want to punish some members of your family with some shit presents heartandhand.co.uk has got a selection of utter bilge that you can get your hands on for reasonable amounts of money, so you don't need to feel guilty. Give them a T-shirt, give them a mug. When they look disappointed, go, it was 13 quid, and you walk away unscathed. Um, with that, just time to thank my producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers, and to thank my two wonderful guests. First of all, the lovely Mr. Cameron James Bell.
0: Thank you, David. Thank you, Alex. A pleasure, as always.
1: The stupendous Mr. Alexander Staff.
2: Thank you, gentlemen.
1: And uh, I'll be back next Monday. Till then, take care. Cheers. Bye.